Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across this continent via the Community Radio Network. I'm Tisha Nahern. We need to take action now to make sure that a transition starts. We've seen what happens in places like Port Augusta. We've watched what happens in Anglesey with, you know, a year later they happen to start um, remediating the mine. Like, we can't continue to wait. This is a, a really pivotal time. This is the beginning of the transition and we really need to do this well. We really need to make sure that communities aren't left behind. So this needs to be a focus for people in Melbourne and even more broadly because Victoria has had a lot of cheap energy for a long while. The problems have been internalised down there in terms of public health and the Hazelwood fire and it's you know time that all the people that have benefited for generations from this energy really make sure we stand with the community as they go through their time of transition. An announcement on the future of Hazelwood Power Station is expected any day now. Situated in the Latrobe Valley in eastern Victoria, Hazelwood is one of four coal-fired power stations in the region. It produces a quarter of Victoria's electricity and is the biggest carbon emitter on the national grid. Engie, the French company who is majority owner of Hazelwood, is reported by French newspaper Ousiku to have decided to close the power station. However, both the company and the Victorian government remain tight-lipped about any possible closure. On today's show, we'll be talking about life after Hazelwood and the campaign for a just transition and viable future for the Latrobe Valley. Okay, so I'm Wendy Summer. I'm the president of Voices of the Valley. Voices of the Valley was set up in um, reaction to the Hazelwood Mine fire. So most people will be aware that in 2014, um, February the 9th, the Hazelwood Mine caught on fire. Um, the media at that time were repeated, reporting it as a bushfire, but the residents around here knew that it wasn't a bushfire, that it was actually a coal fire. And we, we had immediate health impacts from that. We had a government standing up and saying there was no issues, just don't breathe the air, it'll be okay. Um, yeah, but at the same time, we knew we were being poisoned. We were seeing people getting sick. Eventually, we started seeing animals dying and people dying. Um, so that was basically why um, Voices of the Valley started. Just going back to that day or, you know, those those days uh, back in early 2014 with the mine fire, if you could just, you've sort of started to paint a bit of a picture there, but, you know, for a lot of people in Melbourne and, and around Australia, it was hard to really understand the magnitude of what was happening there uh, at the Hazelwood um, coal pits and what that fire meant. What was it like to be there? I guess the best way to explain it is if you have a um, big bonfire and you stand on the side of it and that smoke is blowing into your face, you move away because you can't stand that smoke. We had a community that had thick, cold smoke for 45 days, you know, a thousand hours, and it was you couldn't go anywhere. It was in your house, it was outside, it was everywhere. We had kids going to school that were coming home or being relocated to neighbouring towns, which weren't as um, smoky but still affected, but then coming back to Morewell and saying, I don't like my home, it hurts me. 
Um, it was terrible. It was <laughs> you can't imagine living in smoke for forty five days and really not being able to breathe fresh air. And the health impacts. Uh, obviously, people started to see the health impacts at the time, but I'd imagine that there are going to be health impacts uh, for a long time going into the future for those who were exposed to the to the pollution from from the fire. Well, it's quite possible. Um, Voices of the Valley called for um, the first inquiry, but it didn't give us enough answers. But in that first inquiry, it said that we may not even see the true health impacts for 10 or 20 years. It could be similar to asbestos. We just don't know what, what the long-term health effects is. We've still got people now that will blame the fire for their ill health. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing to prove, but we also know that pollution does kill, and we do know that pollution makes people sick. Um, so you can, you know, Latrobe Valley has a highest incidence of um, respiratory disease, heart disease, cancers, you name it, we have it. We're not proud of that, but we know that that can change as well. And speaking of change, so from those horrible um, that horrible incident of the of the mine fire, came the formation of Voices of the Valley to to advocate for for the people in the valley. But you've gone you you continue uh, as an organisation and continue to advocate for the people of the Latrobe Valley. What are the concerns of Voices of the Valley now? Well, we're still um, keeping it. A um, close ear and eye out to the health of the community. That's that's the number one factor. You know, we have to look after the health of our children and you know the adults as well. But what we did find through that second inquiry, one thing that was missing was hope and jobs. We have the highest rate of unemployment in Latrobe Valley. We have three or four power stations, three open cut mines. Um, you know, if coal is good for humanity, then why? Are we in some of the most disadvantaged areas in in um, Victoria? So what um, Voices of the Valley has started to do is look at how a community can transition and also not just how they can transition, but how the community can have a say on how it transitions, working with the state and federal governments. And you have, Voices of the Valley have put out a transition plan for the Latrobe Valley, which is looking towards the closure of, of Hazelwood Power Plant and inevitably the other coal-fired power plants in the valley and looking towards a future for the valley. Can you tell us a bit about the transition plan that you're proposing? Um, I can. What I'll just mention first, though, is Voices of the Valley has never called for the power stations to close, but we know that they will close. You know, um, if you look around the world, it shows that we are all moving away from coal. So we know that the power stations will close. But So what is left for the community? So what we've put together to start with is a social and a worker support facility. Now, of course, none of these are actually um, in production yet as a, as a company or a um, centre, and we really need to make sure that that starts. You know, whether we've got two, two years, eight months, five years for the power stations to start closing... We need to start that support now. So we've got supporter and worker um, support facility, um, like the Holden and the Ford have done, but they had three or four years. I don't think we have that long. That needs to feed into educational um, facilities. So we've got a federation training, federation university. We've got a TAFE being built. Those um, workers need to feed into those education facilities, but the education facilities also need to be teaching what is needed for the future. Um, we've got just a rough um, rundown. We've got a centre where um, 
we have incubators and manufacturing space for co-op startups, social enterprises, um, and we believe those particular things, and especially in renewable energy factor, need to feed into the educational facilities that need that need to feed back into the workers. So all this um, transition centre planning all feeds back into each other. Um, we've, we would like to manufacture our own solar panels in Latrobe Valley, have our own batteries, and eventually start up an energy retailer. And we could sell a package um, to to people as in a transition package. You want you want um, Latrobe Valley to transition in a in a great way that other communities can take examples from. Buy our panels, buy our batteries, and join our retailer. Um, altogether, that's probably about $14 million. So it's not something we can do overnight, but we can definitely put pressure on for that. The other thing that seems to be missing in the big picture is the, um, the, the research into renewable energies. How do you condition the energy? How do you store the energy? And, of course, the different ways of harvesting. And we believe there will be different ways to harvest energy from what we're already doing. Yep, the sun's a great thing, the wind's a great thing. What is going to be the future of energy? And why isn't Australia looking at what that future is? So that's that's a rough rundown on um, what we look at as a transition can, centre can be. This is quite an involved plan that you've you've outlined, and some of which the some of those pieces of the plan are, are coming into place with the opening of um, of higher education facilities, and also the um, proposed. Uh, Eureka Future uh, Solar Hot Water Plant, uh, which has been proposed for the Latrobe Valley. Um, now, you were recently on the uh, walk from Pakenham to Morwell for um, that organised by Earthworker. Can you tell us a bit about that and, and, and that particular plan? Okay. Um, so the Earthworker was, um, is Solar Hot Water Services, um, also a company, um, Edge that sells or, sorry, makes trailers. Um, so you've got portable solar wherever you go. The great thing about that was it showed that Victoria, com- Victorian community and the people of Latrobe Valley can work together. And I think that's one thing that we've really got to be aware of, that this is not just a Latrobe Valley problem. Yes, we have the power stations. Yes, we have the high unemployment. But this is actually a Victorian issue. It's an Australian issue. You know, Latrobe Valley has supplied the power for 90 years um, to make Melbourne what it is. So, you know, everybody can just go to their um, wall and turn their light switch on. So I was really impressed with the walk with the valley and the, the connection between how we support each other. Um, so um, Earthworker are now down in Morwell. They have got a factory here. There are other companies that are looking to join that factory. And it's quite exciting the different things that, you know, are slowly becoming available. I'm interested in your planning process, Wendy, and, you know, sort of Voices of the Valley as a community organisation. The Latrobe Valley, you know, as a a diverse community of people, many of who work either directly or indirectly uh, in the coal-fired power generation, how did you come up with this ambitious plan for the future of the valley as a community, as a community plan? It's really been community working together. Um, So... You know, our members working together, as I said, through that last inquiry, we saw that one thing that was really missing in Latrobe Valley was those hopes, the hope and the jobs. So we felt then it was our responsibility to start looking at what could the future be and start putting some pressure on um, state and federal 
um, politicians. So it's really been a community a community program the whole way through. We were challenged by a Big Health Challenge, which was really exciting, that made us think even deeper into what was happening. So we um, did the Big Health Challenge. We were given $10,000 um, fund to start there, and we did win the $20,000 to continue putting our plans together. But it has been a community involvement. We're about to do our first community um, consultation, so we're going to be holding 12 community consulta consultations around Latrobe Valley and actually gathering the community together and saying, how can you be a part of it? What would you like? What are your fears about a closure of, of Hazelwood and, and what are your demands on, on the company? Well, my, my fears and my community fear a lot. You know, this is a 1,000 jobs that we're going to lose overnight from an internet, waiting for an international company to make a decision. It just, as I said before, you you cannot rely on international companies to do the right thing by a community. They, they're there to make money. Um, they've been speaking about this until since May that they would look at selling or closing Hazelwood, yet nothing has been done and no real transition plan has even started. You know, we should have been starting a transition plan years ago, knowing that Hazelwood will one day close or any of the other mines might close. So I, what we're calling on is for the um, Victorian and the federal government to start putting proper money into Latrobe Valley to help with the transition, but they must work with the community when that happens. We can't be told any longer what needs to be done. We need to be part of the solution. Turning then to the state and federal governments, Tim Palais, Victoria's Treasurer, was reported to have met with NG uh, on the 4th of October uh, to discuss that the state government is so far being quite tight-lipped, perhaps waiting for announcement from NG about Hazelwood. But you're calling on the Victorian government and the federal government to be fully supporting a transition for the Latrobe Valley. Absolutely. We can't wait. We can't wait for an international company to make a decision. We need to take action now to make sure that a transition starts. We've seen what happens in places like Port Augusta. We've watched what happens in Anglesey with, you know, a year later they happen to start re um, remediating the mine. Like, we can't continue to wait. But the community can't wait because they need jobs. They need hope. They need a future. The people that have got working in these um, power stations at the moment are left in limbo. They really don't know what is happening. You know, they've got house payments, they've got cars, they've got everything else, but it's not only that they need to, um, you know, pay off or they've got kids going to school, but it's not only them, it's those small cafes around Morwell. It's the small cafes in Maui or Trelgan. It's, if people don't have money, they don't spend money. As I said, we've already got the highest unemployment. We can't sit around and wait to see what happens. We have to do something about that now. Thinking to the future, and I guess thinking in an yeah. ideal situation in 50 years' time, so 20... 66. <laughs> the coal-fired power stations have closed in the Latrobe Valley. There's been a transition in the valley. Could you describe in your mind what an ideal future in, in 50 years' time would be for, for Morwell and for the Latrobe Valley generally? What would it look like if your plans for a just transition for the Latrobe Valley communities go ahead? To start with, we would have an engaged community that are working with each other. We would have 
organisations and businesses that work together, um, social enterprises, co-ops that are actually putting money back into the community. We don't have international companies owning our future. We've got rehabilitated um, mine sites where our children will have use of them. So, of course, they'll be adults then, that they will have use of them. They won't be fenced off. They will actually be a community asset. We'll have a much larger population in Latrobe Valley because people will want to live in Latrobe Valley. We're only an hour and a half, two hours away from um, Melbourne. You know, quick train ride down the line. We're going to have a duplicated train because it'll get you faster there, maybe half an hour, an hour. Um, you know, we're going to leave a bright future for our children and our next generations, and we must. We have a responsibility to make sure that we don't destroy our land and our environment for our children. We must stand up. Speaking there from her home in Morwell, that's Wendy Farmer from Voices of the Valley. You're listening to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the Community Radio Network. Cam Walker is the campaign coordinator at Friends of the Earth, and I started by asking him about the context of the possible closure of Hazelwood. So this is a very dirty, very polluting, very old power station. Um, There was a conversation back in 2010 where the state government at the time was talking about a stage shutdown. When Julia Gillard was the Prime Minister, there was the so-called cash for clunkers idea, which would pay the really dirty polluters to start to shut down. So it's a plant that's well past its use by date. And there's been a very long-running suspension suspicion that it is going to close and that the majority owner, uh, NG, based in uh, France, would would make this decision. The rumours have been going around for several years now, but it keeps being leaked to the media and yet the company keeps saying, oh, no, we haven't taken a decision. Now, I don't think, um, you know, leaks can continue without some truth. You know, there's there has to be an aspect of truth here. I guess the question is, are they doing a full shutdown or a stage shutdown? And are they mothballing, are they rehabilitating, etc. But it's important to understand that really, by a very large degree, this is a business decision on the part of the company and that is not a safe facility to work in and they're going to have to spend millions and millions of dollars to bring it up to a work-safe, acceptable standard. So this is ultimately a business decision, but inherent in whatever they decide to do is the question of well, what do they do with that site, let alone what they do with the actual mine that's adjacent to it. And so speaking of the site, Hazel Power Station and the adjacent coal mine, what what are the risks of a shutdown of Hazelwood environmentally? A shutdown where the company walks away would be disastrous because we know that, you know, the market isn't going to look after the community. Um, There's three key players here, all of whom have to put a big chunk of money on the table. Obviously, the Victorian government does, and they've already put in $40 towards transition in the last state budget. There's the federal government, which has said it's considering its options. And then, of course, there's NG itself because they've made a lot of money off running this plant and running it down. Um, There's been continual outsourcing of contractors, so now I think... um, more than half the staff, in effect, are contractors. They're not on staff. Uh, the history, of course, in the Latrobe Valley goes back to the privatisation back in the Kennett era when there was massive job losses and outsourcing anyway. So the the Latrobe Valley community, which has been reliant on coal, has been having this kind of slow and steady job loss, death of jobs, uh, you know, for several decades now. So it's essential that those three players don't walk away from the community when this shutdown happens. And shutdown is inevitable because of market 
forces, regardless of what the environment movement might do and regardless of what governments might choose to do. So this is the beginning of the transition and there are going to be other plants that shut down over time. So it's essential we start to put some serious money on the table now and we really start to plan and invest for a, a variety of new jobs. There's no silver bullet that is the solution uh, you know, to this. There won't be a, a 900 new jobs created to replace the ones that will be lost, but there are many options and rehabilitation of the mine site is one which will generate 150 to 200 jobs into the short and medium term and then there's a whole bunch of other very good ideas which could create 50 jobs here, 100 jobs there. So it will be a mosaic of economic diversification that is the future of the Latrobe Valley. The people of the Latrobe Valley are obviously very concerned about the future of Hazelwood and and the other uh, power plants and coal mines in the area. Now, Friends of the Earth has been supporting the Voices of the Valley campaign, uh, but it's the campaign to close down Hazelwood and other power stations is is long running. Can you give us a bit of a history of the campaign to uh, close down Hazelwood? So this has been a long-running campaign, as you say. Uh, back in 2009-10, there were proposals to actually uh, m- massively ramp up the amount of coal we were digging in Victoria and potentially export it overseas, and that proposal was seen off. Then uh, in the build-up to the 2010 state election, this issue became so strong in the inner suburbs of Melbourne that the government of the day decided to do a stage shutdown of Hazelwood. That all evaporated, unfortunately, when the coalition came to power, and they still don't have you know, a decent policy on Hazelwood, their best response recently is to say, well, if it closes, energy prices will go up. They don't clearly have a plan at all or any any coherent thinking around what the transition will mean. And they appear to have quite a, a worrying misunderstanding about the forces at play here because it's the markers, the markets, the global markets that are really driving this. Um, so it's a shame that they're ignoring that. But the, the, the issue has really just bubbled away. Since the coalition came to power in 2010, we refocused our efforts on renewable energy um, and stopping unconventional gas drilling. Victoria, and we were successful in both those campaigns. Environment Victoria continued to work very solidly on the Hazelwood shutdown, as did a number of local groups. And more recently, a number of other groups, such as the Australian Youth Climate Coalition, have really come on board very strongly. So this campaign, it kind of went into almost a care and maintenance mode for a couple of years there, and now it's really ramping back up. And that's ramping back up as these market decisions are being taken. So we are going to see action in the next couple of months. There's no doubt about that. And I think if you go to the valley, it's really interesting that for a very long time, people felt that we would find new ways to burn coal or turn coal into fertiliser or turn it into synthetic gas. And I don't think anyone believes that anymore. You know, the notion of clean coal, it's absorbed hundreds of millions of dollars in research money. It's gone absolutely nowhere. It's not scalable at commercial kind of scales. It's just not going anywhere. And I think people in the valley have accepted that change is coming and they want to get on with it by and large. So, you know, there's also this profound kind of shift in community sentiment in the valley. And you speak of the larger economic forces in play behind the likely decision by NG to close Hazelwood. Can we talk then about the the larger picture there in terms of um, coal-fired energy generation and the coal market? 
Yep, and this is really a, you know another version of the culture wars when we talk about climate change. We talk about coal. So if you hear people, if you you know took out their names and you listen to political commentators and the ones who are saying coal has a future, you know, in the energy mix of the future, and then you looked at their names, they're invariably conservatives or they're right wing or they're climate deniers. If you look at the commentators that are saying well renewables are outstripping uh, the investment in coal, if you look at how China as a very large uh, consumer of energy is already transitioning to renewables. If you look at the fact that day by day the amount of renewable capacity is now outstripping the amount of new fossil fuel capacity on the planet and you also look at investment trends that that is now um, you know, also the case. The world is changing. There is no doubt we're transitioning to 100% renewables. The only question is how fast and will it be fast enough to avoid really dangerous climate change. But you know that, that conversation is over but you do get conservative commentators and some news outlets that just keep saying coal will be part of the future. And then, of course, federally with the coalition government, we have a resources minister, Matthew Canavan from Queensland, who keeps saying we do need to keep coal in the mix and we need to keep uh, exporting it overseas in order to help people alleviate energy poverty. And, of course, you know, the question there is, well, really low-income Indian people, if they don't have access to electricity now, will they be able to afford uh, quite expensive uh, electricity from large-scale coal-fired power stations? The answer is probably no. So let's help India leapfrog into the technology of the 21st century, not, you know, adapt the technology from the 18th and 19th century, and let's help them move to renewables now rather than, you know, peddle our wares for another 5 to 10 or 15 years and then pay the, the climate costs that would come with that. Now, for the people outside of the Latrobe Valley in Melbourne or right across Australia who are concerned about this and would like to support the people of the valley and, and see a just transition come about, what what does Friends of the Earth recommend in terms of how you can support and how you can get involved in this campaign? We would love it if people would have a look at our website, which is just melbourne.foe.org.au, or just do a, a web search for Friends of the Earth Melbourne. You'll see we've got seven really simple uh, kind of actions we're asking people to take. We need to put pressure on the federal government. We need to put pressure on NG to put up money for the transition. We need to show that we're standing with the valley, and we've got a bunch of asks there. We have some petitions going to the Premier of Victoria. So there's a, a whole lot of easy things you can do. The next thing would be to look at Voices of the Valley on their website because they have a transition plan for what's going on down there and they're a locally grown, locally controlled organisation that really needs some support. So if you can join them, throw some money towards them and just you know help get them stronger and in a better position to advocate their plan in the community down there. Cam Walker from Friends of the Earth. You've been listening to Earth Matters. Australia's weekly environmental justice program for community radio. I'm Tisha Nahern. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on Wurundjeri Country. You can contact us on 03 9419 8377 via email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or on our Facebook page. I hope you can tune in next week for more Earth Matters.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.